2: From KQED in San Francisco, this is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. As reports of racist and xenophobic incidents against Asian Americans exploded in response to the pandemic, UC Berkeley professor Katherine Suniza Choi asked herself, how is it that we still find ourselves in the midst of so much hate directed against us, given the longstanding presence of Asian Americans in the US? But Choi already knew the answer. As a historian, she has researched and taught classes on the erasure of Asian Americans' impact on the nation, the long history of anti-Asian violence, and the ways Asians fought back. Choi's new book, Asian American Histories of the United States, is her response to the violence and erasure. She joins us after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. UC Berkeley professor Catherine Sinisa Choi says that a profound lack of understanding of Asian American history permeates our culture. And even the identifier Asian American can oversimplify important distinctions among Asian ethnicities. So what happens when you try to hold up simultaneously the multiple stories of Asians in America? A constellation, Choi says, revealing intricate connections that present new ways of seeing, understanding, and moving forward. Choi's new book is Asian American Histories of the United States and joins us now. Professor Choi, thanks so much for being on Forum. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. And it is so true. Asian American, the identifier, encompasses such a huge range of Asian ethnicities with their distinct origin stories, experiences in the U.S. And the one thing that I was really struck by, though, that even with the fact that it tries to be a lot, the story of how the identifier Asian-American came to be was such an uplifting story. Can you just talk about the spirit and intent behind Asian-American? Sure.
3: We take for granted this term Asian-American today, and um, some of us might think of it as solely checking off a box on the form or generally thinking about an American with Asian ancestry, But in the book, I write about how the term Asian American has a distinctive history. And it uh, came to be um, in the late 1960s, um, created by two graduate students from UC Berkeley, Emma G and Yuji Ichioka, who helped found the Asian American political alliance in Berkeley, which was an anti-imperialist, anti-capitalist, uh, organization and the idea of calling themselves for this pioneering group to call themselves Asian American was very meaningful. Prior to the late 1960s, Asian Americans were called um, primarily Orientals, mm-hmm. um, and um, the the problem with Orientals is that uh, it smacked of uh, foreignness and um, commodification as in Oriental rugs. And wow. if they weren't called Orientals, uh, they would be called uh, many times racial slurs. Yes. Um, things like quote unquote Jap, um, especially during World War II um, or quote unquote gook. And to say that we are going to name ourselves on our own terms and we are going to recognize both our americanness but also our asian americanness was was very powerful uh at that time and it yeah. really was a declaration of agency you know, the ability to make choices to identify oneself and and to make history that way
2: yes it's so interesting orient means east which of course then would be east of, so you're centering who it's east of as opposed to the people, and uh, to to basically situate it in Asian American, change that. The other thing that was so fascinating was to read about how it also brought together or attempted to bring together different Asian ethnicities under this umbrella, and in a way try to create connection among Asian ethnicities where, in fact, historically, there could be a lot of hostility and tension. Um, Even as you were describing your book, for example, when Japanese immigrants came to the U.S. in large numbers, they had seen the kind of violence and hostility that Chinese and Filipino Americans were treated with and tried to distinguish themselves. Could you talk about that tension a little bit? Well,
3: prior to the late 1960s, this group that we might refer to as Asian-American today didn't see themselves as a pan-ethnic group. And they often identified themselves by their national origin, um, their specific ethnicity, um, or even from their specific... Um, province, whether it's for Filipino migrants. So many of them were from um, the Ilocos or northern Philippine provinces or for um, pioneering Chinese migrants. Uh, from uh, Guangdong, um, or from a prefecture um, in, in Japan, and so they they didn't necessarily see themselves as sharing um, a culture uh, and a history. But that would change when um, they would come to the United States and settle here and and make it their home. And That strategy, what you're referring to in terms of specific Asian American groups like Japanese immigrants initially saying, we're not like uh, Chinese immigrants, so um, don't treat us with the same kind of um, anti-Chinese sentiment, um, hate and hostility. Um, they realized by the late 1960s certainly that that strategy was not working. They they also realized that Chinese, Japanese, um, Filipino Americans who were among. the the largest groups of Asian-Americans in in the first half of of the 20th century um, also started to realize that they shared a number of experiences with Mm -hmm. one another. And these experiences included harassment and bullying at their schools, employment discrimination, uh, many of them, even if they um, were fortunate enough to be Educated at the college college or university level, um, so many of them had employment "quote unquote" opportunities still in the agricultural fields or in in domestic services and couldn't work as as professionals except in their ethnic enclaves. Uh, they also realized that so many Americans don't know about us and and our histories and things like. Uh, Japanese American internment, the contributions that um, so many different Asian American groups have made to US culture, economy, um, and and politics. And all those things brought them together to create this uh, term of identification, Asian American, which um, in the late 1960s um, was also really about a, a political sensibility. But I also appreciate you bringing up how the term is also historically fraught with difference and tensions regarding those those differences. So, even from the beginning of of using um, a term like Asian American, even though it was meaningful, there were also tensions regarding um the notion that not all Asian Americans identified as yellow, um, that there were brown Asians um, who exist. And and even today, you'll see this hashtag brown Asians exist um, to point to um, some of the marginalization of particular groups, um, South Asians, um, Filipinos, um, Vietnamese, in our understanding of the Asian American experience and the marginalization of um, women um, and um, LGBTQ communities um, at times also um, in these histories. Um, This is really making the the point that Asian Americans are not a monolith, that we have so many different identities that are intersectional and, and many different histories. And It is really challenging to encompass all of that in in one umbrella term.
2: Yeah, very challenging to encompass it in one umbrella term. Um, I actually want to, though, take a moment to invite our listeners to join the conversation, especially, I'm curious, Asian listeners, if you identify as Asian American or how you feel about the identifier Asian American or if you prefer to identify yourself in different terms and in what circumstances or if you have thoughts in terms of what uh, Catherine Sneeza Choi is describing about the differences in, in our ethnicities but the shared experiences of being in America, what do you think those shared experiences are, you can tell us by emailing forum at kqed.org, finding us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at KQED forum, or by calling 866-733-6786. And, of course, if you have questions about anything you're hearing, feel free to share those questions as well. So how— How did you approach all of that, (laughs) Professor Joy? I mean, you talk about having a sense of urgency for this book and the types of things that you felt were urgently needed.
3: Yes, I open up the preface saying I write with a sense of personal urgency, So even though I started writing this book before 2020 and the COVID-19 pandemic, and even though the book is very much a reflection of over 20 years of my experience as an Asian American historian, I wrote the bulk of the book in 2020 and 2021 and the difficulty that um, our Asian American communities, and I include myself in that, the difficulty that we were going through in terms of this surge in anti-Asian sentiment, hate, yeah. and violence at a level of intensity so many of us hadn't experienced before, uh, renewed a sense of of purpose for me um, in terms of confronting um, how and why is it that so many. Americans and um, so many of us in in the general public don't know know much of Asian American history. And I reflected about how important that would be in a time like 2020 up to our present moment, that understanding that history would go a long way in terms of mitigating the anti-Asian sentiment, hate and violence we're experiencing.
2: And through that process, sadly, recognizing that you would have to really revisit and make real so much violence and trauma of the last 150 plus years. We're coming up on a break, but I'm curious if that gave you pause.
3: Absolutely. For me, I I realized this is not completely new. But I also had to grapple with the fact that perhaps so many other Americans, including other Asian-Americans ourselves, did not necessarily know that.
2: We'll have more with Katherine Suniza Choi, her new book, Asian-American Histories of the United States. Stay with us.
1: This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way
2: Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about Asian American histories and what unites Asian Americans and often gets left out of their stories, and also why it's important to understand the tensions among Asian groups. Catherine C. Choi has documented this. Her new book is Asian American Histories of the United States. You also may be familiar with Professor Choi's previous book, Empire of Care, Nursing and Migration in Filipino American History. You, our listeners, are joining the conversation, talking about how you feel about Asian-American as an identifier, what you think unites the Asian-American experience, what parts of the Asian-American stories often get left out. You can email forum at kqed.org, call us 866-733-6786. You can post your thoughts on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at kqedforum. Youngwon Choi writes, I identify as Asian-American. It's a political organizing entity that recognizes that racism is real in America. There are limitations, but it's a necessary foundation. <laughs> Professor Choi, you do organize your book into into three parts. It's violence, erasure, and resistance. And in many ways, I, what you are saying with that is that, sadly, what does, one aspect <laughs> that does connect Asian Americans and their experience in the U.S. is racism, as as Young Won Choi discusses here. But one of the things that's really interesting about the way you organize it is you go backward in time. You start with things that have happened in 2020, and then connect them with things that have happened uh, more than 100 years ago, more than 150 years ago sometimes. Um, I want to ask you about that in the context of probably the highest profile horrific attack against Asian Americans, and that was in... 2021, March of 2021, um, when six Asian women were killed in Atlanta, can you talk about that incident and what you connect to it?
3: I do remember that incident and, um, in many ways, um, I'm still grieving, um, over Hmm. what has happened, um, 2020 and 2021 and and in our present moment so you can probably hear from my voice it's still difficult to talk about yes um i used a non-linear approach in the book in which each of the chapters features a particular year and the first substantive chapter is 2020 and um it concludes the book concludes with 1869. But one of the chapters later on in the book features the year 1875. And um, the title is 1875 homage and I I pay um, homage to um, the eight people who were killed in um, uh, that shooting in Atlanta, um, six of whom were Asian American women. And I begin that chapter talking about that horrific act of violence and the um, collective grief um, that so many of us um, in in the Asian American um, community were feeling at that time. Um, But in that chapter, I go from um, March, 2021 and I connect what was happening to the Page Act of 1875, which was a key piece of legislation in um, Asian American history that um, objectified um, Asian women as quote unquote immoral women and as prostitutes. Um, And so it was an act that was trying to prevent the um, migration into the United States of unfree labor laborers and immoral women, but it targeted specifically Asian women and um, even more specifically Chinese women. And this objectification of um, Asian and then Asian American women as well, we see it through not only laws, but also popular culture and in the um, popular representations of um, Asian, Asian American women as um, docile, submissive, um, seductive, and all of these things together objectify us, um, Asian American women, and um, dehumanize us and one of the most difficult impacts of that objectification is this kind of of violence
2: yeah and of course it was happening in the context of a pandemic when uh asian americans were being singled out as virus carriers you had president trump and another politicians calling it the China virus or other slurs, essentially. And you also situate that historically as well. Yes. And even with um, the, what I was
3: talking about with um, this history of the objectification of Asian American um, women with the Page Act um, intersecting with that was the association of Asian American um, and Asian bodies with disease as disease carriers as as you point out that's an association that is as old as the oldest mass migration of Asians to the United States beginning with the second half of the nineteenth century so similar coming out of this context from which the the page Act emerged and we started to see that the association of Uh, Chinese migrants to the United States with um, smallpox outbreaks, the association of Japanese immigrants with diseases like typhoid, the characterization of Filipino bodies as um, incubators of of leprosy, and um, South Asian migrants with hookworm. And again, these things um, not solely objectify uh, Asian Americans, but make us targets for medical scapegoating and targets of, of violence. So that what we have been observing since 2020 with anti-Asian violence is, is not completely new.
2: It's, it's not completely new. And, uh, What you are describing in terms of moments in history that are often not linked to what's happening today or that are not fully understood is making me think of another question for listeners. I, I am curious if there is a piece of Asian American history that you wish more people knew about, and you can feel free to share that as well. We're talking with Professor Catherine Siniza Choi, Associate Dean in Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, Belonging, and Justice, and Professor of Ethnic Studies at UC Berkeley. Her new book is Asian American Histories of the United States, a piece of Asian American history you wish more people knew about your thoughts on. On the identifier Asian-American and what you think unites Asian-American experiences or where you think the differences are important to be addressed, 866-733-6786, the number, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at KQED Forum is uh, where you can find us on social and you can email us, forum at kqed.org. Matthew writes, activist scholars like bell hooks have identified strategic essentialization where the internal diversity of a marginalized group is backgrounded for shared social goals. But what is the cost of lumping Hmong and Han Chinese Americans? The former are among the most marginalized, and the latter are doing well vis-a-vis other groups. Is the Asian American term just a way to start a conversation that requires much more nuance to actually affect policy and practice? What do you think about what Matthew is saying here, and do you think he's right with regard to the way we understand success? Hmm.
3: Well, first of all, these are just such um, such terrific insights. Um, and and important questions, and there was a lot there. So, <laughs> yes. Mina, maybe you can help me uh, if <laughs> yes. I'm not addressing um, spe- specific things. I I can hear from um, um, the the comments thus far that uh, there's still this need. Um, there is still this significance of an Asian American identity in terms of political organizing, um, in terms of honoring also um, this very large group of people um, who have made a number of contributions um, uh, to the U.S. as a whole. But I also appreciate the comment question about is this a, the beginning? Um, uh, do we use this really as the beginning of a conversation? And I. Think Yes, um, because the Asian American population is growing, as, as Matthew pointed out, there are these incredible um, socioeconomic, um, uh, political, as well as um, national origin um, diversity in the Asian American community. And so you have um, Southeast Asian um, Americans, um, many of whom are refugees, but are also descendants of refugees, um, also immigrants, and um, who are lumped together with post-1965 Asian immigrant professionals who are highly educated, many of them in uh, the STEM and and medical fields. And so um, what what brings us um, together? And so I like the idea of um, a conversation and I I really tried to uh, make the point in in the book that we ought to be engaging in that conversation and that Asian American is a term with a specific history but one that is um, dynamic, that continues to grow and that this is a living history that encompasses so many different histories and experiences, Um, I believe it's still meaningful, especially in this moment of intense anti-Asian sentiment where so many um, people um, still cannot tell um, various groups of Asian Americans apart. And uh, Matthew had mentioned um, Hmong um, Americans, um, which is a, a population that came out of the Southeast Asian um American refugee experience. And even in our present moment, there was an, an incident um in Woodbury, Minnesota, which has one of the largest populations of, of Hmong Americans in this country. And a Hmong American had a um couple, a Hmong American couple had a threatening note taped on their door um, calling them effing Chinese. Um, Mm. We don't want you here in our country, take back your disease. And that irony of how how is it that even in these communities where there are so many um, Hmong American in this case are still being lumped together um, with other Asian groups in a very derogatory kind of way and systematic and systematically in that comment erasing this this very complex history of the reason why Hmong Americans so many of them are here is because Americans were, were there in Vietnam and Laos and, and Cambodia um during the Vietnam War.
2: When you talk about this, it just also makes me think about just the most common stereotypes that exist around Asian Americans as well that really completely covers up all of these differences, these differences of experiences um, and and one of those, of course, is sort of all the, the stereotypes of Asian Americans as successful as a model minority and and the kind of costs that that has and who it actually benefit. It's something you also examine in the book, and I'm wondering if you could just touch on that, Sam, and if you feel that connection as well. Yeah,
3: so much of our uh understanding um of Asian Americans in the US is often based on misunderstanding from these stereotypes like the model minority which you mentioned. And um, the model minority is is a complex stereotype. It can range from being a successful uh, immigrant entrepreneur um, who um, is is able to achieve based solely on pulling oneself um, up from one's bootstraps and um, not complaining, working hard, to the model minority who is successful because of some innate ability in higher education and um, especially in the STEM fields. And um, so there are these stereotypes of being Asian-Americans as being um, smart and uh, as being successful. And some of us may ask, well, what's wrong with that? Isn't that um, a positive stereotype? Isn't that the best kind of branding uh, any group could hope for? And I argue in the book, and so many Asian American studies um, scholars um, with me have argued that um, the model minority is, is a myth. And while it might seem positive, it's actually quite harmful. Um, and one of the ways um, it's harmful is that it is used to pit Asian Americans as a group against other racialized groups, and um, especially um, African-Americans. And that also has a very specific kind of history that um, emerges in um, the 1960s and and the 1960s and 1970s, excuse me, that um, would contrast Asian-Americans as a group that doesn't ask for government help and that is doing well for themselves in contrast to um, black Americans who um, are protesting and, um, and, and are demanding government help. And if you look at these histories and, and read them and engage with them, um, you'll see that um, this is, these kinds of um, stereotypes are, are not true.
2: Yes, you point to a, a 1966 U.S. News and World Report story that talked about the success story of one minority group in the U.S., depicting at that time, I think, Chinese-Americans as successful immigrants who suffered prejudice, but they didn't complain and they worked hard and they've done well. At a time, of course, when there was a lot of protest and civil rights protest and so on. What do you think was the intent of that?
3: The intent of that is to um, divide and conquer. Um Americans in this country Americans of um uh Asian descent um so to to divide Asian Americans and and Black Americans and um Asian Americans and and other groups and so, you feel
2: like professor Choi, you see echoes of that right now right now in the US
3: I do see echoes of of that um I see it in the way that um some people have been Um, interpreting um, the surge in anti-Asian violence as um, a a problem of um, Black against Asians um, violence. And this is not to say that um, there aren't tensions between our communities um, in in the present moment. Um, There are. We continue to um, work through them. But Using the the current surge in anti-Asian violence as um, a way to perpetuate the enmity um, between our um, Black and Asian communities is is simply wrong. And um, it perpetuates misunderstanding um, about our histories and that there's really longer um, histories of our communities working together.
2: You mean of basically solidarity movements among Asian-Americans and Black Americans.
3: Yes, absolutely. I'm referring to the late 1960s and the solidarity um, with the Black Student Union and the Third World Liberation Front and, and the late 1960s at San Francisco State College um, then. Um, but I'm also referring to a history that's over 150 years old with Frederick Douglass's um, speech in 1869, supporting Chinese immigration and naturalization in the United
2: States. Yeah. Lots of history with Katherine Sinisa Choi. We'll have more after the break. This
1: is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure,
2: Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking with Catherine Sinisa Choi, Associate Dean in Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, Belonging, and Justice and Professor of Ethnic Studies at UC Berkeley. Her new book is Asian American Histories of the United States, and you, our listeners, are sharing your thoughts about Asian American history, about things that are happening today that connect to history, and also your view on Asian American as an identity. Let me go to caller Alex in Mountain View. Hi, Alex.
0: Hi. Thank you for taking my call. I say one statement and then a question for your guest. The statement is uh, The 2018 edition of the criminal victimization report published by the FBI uh, indicates that African Americans commit the largest percentage of violent crimes against Asian Americans. And my question is, why doesn't the media, uh, uh, I guess, talk more about this issue or reveal this startling fact more often? Uh, usually, what I hear is that there is an increase in uh, violence against uh, Asian Americans, but it's a general statement. It doesn't point out the startling statistic that I just mentioned.
2: Um, Well, Alex, thanks. Professor Troy, are you familiar with this statistic? And do you want to talk a little bit about studies that have been done about violence against Asian Americans and who perpetrates them? Yes,
3: I I appreciate that that opportunity. Uh, As I had mentioned earlier, I, I think there have been a number of um, stories, certainly stories circulated on social media that um, emphasize the, not solely the recent surge in anti-Asian violence, but how this is a, a Black, Asian-American problem uh, regarding this particular kind of violence. And um, there have been many other studies um, that have shown that that's not the case um, since 2020. And so um, out of University of Michigan, there's the um, virulent hate project that's um, run by a historian, Melissa May Borja there. And um, they've done studies that show that um, most of the perpetrators of the anti-Asian violence since 2020 um, have been um, white men and uh, um political scientist janelle wong has also reviewed a number of um empirical studies that have been done um since 2020 about this violence that um shows that um while there is asian um uh or black violence against um asian asian american communities that this is not necessarily the um, constituting the the majority of this Violence, so it it gets to this um, point that I was making earlier that um, this kind of divide is um, circulated over and over again to the point where it becomes um, seemingly common knowledge. But um, I would emphasize that it's a, a misunderstanding um, of the. The friendship and solidarity and the experiences that our communities uh, have have shared, and and I try to highlight that in
2: the book. Yes, yeah, so you ask yourself the question, or you ask the question in the book rather: What if we knew more about the solidarity and the solidarity mo- solidarity movements and the? shared ways that Asian American and Black American communities influenced and helped each other. And what if we remembered more and tried to learn from the tremendous acts of violence that have been perpetrated, things like, and of course, one of the ones that you you point out is very early on in your book is something that happened 10 years ago last Friday, which was... The white supremacist gunman who entered that gurdwara in Wisconsin and killed six people. And then, of course, we have the April killing of uh, eight people, four of them sick Americans as well. You feel the need to ask these questions about why, what we remember and what we forget.
3: I'm so glad you, you brought that up because it's um, such an important point that I... Um, I'm hoping um, that I made in, in the book, um, which is that all of us participate in history by what we choose to remember and and reflect upon. And it is uncomfortable to remember um, this violence, and, and you're bringing up some um, important examples of the Oak Creek um massacre that you were referring to at a Gurdwara Sikh Temple there. Um and in in the book, there's so many um acts of anti-Asian violence um over the past hundred and fifty years. And even as I was writing the book, I couldn't, I remember thinking there's so many um that I I want to include, and and there just wasn't um, I, I couldn't mention even all of them, and it, it really emphasizes this this tragic point about how violence is a key theme in in Asian American histories. Um, and one of the things that we can do to to begin to end this violence is to learn about. Asian American histories. Learn about the contributions Asian Americans have made to the United States. Learned about Asian Americans' um, solidarity um, with with other Americans. Um, and we can't change what what we don't know. Um, going back to um, your point, where you were referring to a question I raised in the book. You know, what if the solidarity between um, Black and Asian Americans had been circulated with the same kind of intensity that the images of violence had, had been circulated in the past um, couple of years? And what would that do to our point of um, reference and, and interpretation, and also in terms of going, going forward?
2: Well, Tony writes, I was born in Korea in 1957 to a Korean mother and presumably an American GI. I'm a beneficiary of Eisenhower's policy to allow American servicemen to adopt mixed-race children. I say beneficiary because, as I understand it, Korea didn't want me, and life for me in Korea at that time would have been hell. So I do not identify strongly with my Korean side, but I do not fit in with white-dominated American culture, especially with its culture of white male rule. I suppose I'm speaking out because this is a segment of being Asian American. I do not hear about. Hmm. I'd love your thoughts on what Tony is expressing here and also Tony's background um, as a, as a, as an adoptee, essentially.
3: I really can. um, I really appreciate what Tony is, is sharing um, about his experience and, Um, While so many of us in the Asian-American community um, might identify as as Asian-American, there are so many of us also who um, might not feel um, included in the term um, right away because um, our experiences are so um, diverse and, and complex And um, in my book, Asian American histories of the United States, there is a chapter entitled 1953 mixed race lives. And I posit the question, um, what if we placed um, Asian American um, mixed race histories at the center of um, Asian American history? What, What would we glean? And one of those revelations that that we would learn um, is that the United States is an international um, adoption nation and that um, Korean adoptees um, have played a formative role, a foundational role in this particular history that um, has led to um, the United States being the top recipient um, of adoptive children. And that is a history that comes out of a U.S., but also a transnational history of the United States being in um, Japan and then in, in Korea and, and later Vietnam um, from the U.S. occupation of Japan, U.S. involvement in the Korean War in- Vietnam War. And as a result of that U.S. military presence, the creation of a mixed race um, Asian and, and American um, group of children of uh, who were born of U.S. servicemen and um, Japanese, Korean and, and Vietnamese um, women, and at that time had um, experienced um, great marginalization in their Asian societies, um, but would also experience that um, uh, at times in in the United States as well. So this is a unique experience that um, I've tried to honor uh, in the book.
2: Well, Brian writes, I identify as Asian American perfunctorily. I worry about the strange and pragmatic flexibility of white supremacy and its definition of whiteness, how it always tends to redefine itself to preserve a majority, and how it seems like Asian American is to be the next identity folded in. I am anxious about my role in all this all the time. Do you feel like that's happening,
1: Mm. Professor Joy?
2: Oh, well, that's such a
3: um, that's such an interesting question. And I it would be so great to have more time just I to <laughs> engage, right? One one on one with with the listeners to to learn more about um where they're coming from. And um, it's hard for me to to see that from from where I am. I'm I'm listening in and trying to understand, but On one level, I I also feel this anxiety um, that um, the listener is is alluding to in in the sense that um, I identify as Asian American and in the context also of um, being American. Um, But I also don't want to um, simplify. I'm not sure if that's the the right word here, but I don't want to simplify my identity as something that can be neatly folded into a broader American identity that historically has been associated with whiteness. And um, I I want to preserve these unique and intersectional aspects um, of myself. Uh, while also claiming an, an Asian American and American identity. And my hope is that there's room for that. And I believe that the the histories that, that I was writing about and the questions that I bring up in the book, my, my hope is that it engages all of us to think about our identities in... Um, a dynamic,
2: a dynamic,
3: historically informed and, and always growing kind of way.
2: Yeah. Well, I want to remind listeners that uh, we are talking about multiple Asian American histories, what unites Asian Americans often gets overlooked in their stories. With Catherine Sneezer Choi, because she's written a new book called Asian American Histories of the United States, and you are listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Well, let me read Wayne's comment. This is how Wayne feels that... Wayne would prefer to think about it. I feel we are obsessed with labels to the point that we silo ourselves as Americans and divide ourselves more. I appreciate and embrace my heritage. It makes for a richer life around me. But the Asian diaspora is huge. Let's be Americans and recognize our backgrounds by saying we are Americans first with Asian ethnic descent. I started an Asian political organization to address hate and disparity. One of the things that you do say, um, Catherine, is that Asian Americans find themselves at a crossroads. We are making breakthroughs and you point out the breakthroughs from Vice President Kamala Harris, for example, being the first Asian and black American woman to be elected, uh, to this incredible office, Rob Bonta being California's first Filipino American state legislature, and then ultimately the state's first Asian American attorney general and so on. And then of course you also point to progress in the arts and in, in literature, with Viet be Tan Nguyen and so on. Um, but you say that we're at a crossroads as we celebrate breakthroughs and remain targets of hate. And based on what you've learned, I, I'm just curious what you would like to see in terms of, <laughs> I don't know if I want to say the path we choose, but I guess how we grapple with and emerge <laughs> from this place.
3: Well, when I think about how to move forward, it's inextricably linked to also looking back. And uh, in the book, I I emphasize that in order to move forward in a way that is hopeful and inclusive um, and that values all of our communities, our Asian American communities um, and, and other communities, we do need to understand these complex and nuanced histories. Um, I believe that's a way of honoring and respecting the past, but um, because one of the themes in the book is is resistance, uh, there's an over 150 year history of Asian Americans contributing to U.S. healthcare um, at the bedside, um, uh, in terms of um, policies regarding public health and and the use of um, gloves and masks and eyewear in, in, in our dental offices, which we might take for granted today, but is part of the un- ingenuity of, um, Asian immigrant health
2: professionals, um, While in terms at the of the same their... time, they would be vilified at the bedside during COVID as well. <laughs> <That capacity laughs> yes,
3: too. Yeah. yes, absolutely. So, so we have to deal with that paradox. Why is it that we are continuing to medically scapegoat and target Asian Americans after they're making these incredible contributions to healthcare, which is is on our our minds um, today because of the pandemic? And I want to emphasize something I had said earlier. Um, We cannot change what we do not know. So looking back gives us a sense of the tenacity of this violence, but also ways we can, ways we can, um, take up to, to mitigate it. And ultimately, um, Asian American histories is about the future, um, and about valuing, um, communal care, which we need during these pandemic times and, and these times of great hatred.
2: I laughed earlier when you were saying, I wish we had more time because there were so many different moments of history that I wanted to discuss with you. But what's so dynamic about our conversations is that it includes listeners and where they would like to go. And I really appreciate uh, you addressing some of the places that they wanted to go. I, we're almost to the end of the show, but I did want to ask you just about your own identity, Suniza Choi, uh, as your last <laughs> name, your full name, Catherine Suniza Choi. Because in some ways, it really, I do think it encompasses the future. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Yes. um, uh, Siniza, my um, official middle name, is a way to honor, um, for me, my Filipino um, immigrant heritage. I'm the daughter of Filipino immigrants. Um, Siniza is my mother's um, maiden name. Um, And um, Choi is... Um, Korean American. Um, it's the name of my husband, who is Korean American on his father's side and Chinese American on his mother's side, <laughs> and so we have um, a, an Asian American family, and and this is part of our um, American present and our future.
2: Catherine Sooja Choi, Asian American histories of the United States. Thank you, and thank you, listeners. This is Forum.
1: Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. This is Barbara Leslie, President of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way